This episode of The Clappers includes robust discussion on <laughs> Tenet. A trivia nights. Les traducteurs. Baby teeth. And gigs. Gigs. Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. Carl. Andrew. It's different, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, it's magnificent. It's been a few weeks since we've last spake, mm. and things have changed here in Melbourne, haven't they? Have. Free at last. Free at last. Well, yeah. Mm. Um, we are able to walk about without face masks in most pl- most parts of Melbourne. Oh, I reckon I've seen maybe six films in the cinema. Um, I'll, I'll say the first one I went to see was Tenet, and Same. I saw that in the IMAX cinema, nobody else in it. So... It was me and 649 Jealous. empty seats. Jealous. And, I am. Um, Jealous. And it was a, it felt like so utterly fantastic to mm. be in a cinema watching a film that is so completely cinematic, mm-hmm. even if it is completely bewildering at times. Yeah. Um, and Do I, you feel you gave it a, a, a pass or, or gave it a, a higher mark because you were just so excited to be in a cinema possibly, that possibly. you were a little less critical than you may have otherwise uh, been? Look, look, I've reached a point, uh, you know, it was about two-thirds of the way through and I was going, I don't know what all the fuss is about. I think I'm following this. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> I think it kind of fell apart. Famous last words. Well, my, well, my ah, brain this, fell apart. What's going on here? <laughs> Something happened. And, well, and after about, you know, I don't know, maybe five or ten minutes of, of struggling with it, going, oh, I don't know if this is making sense, I just went, ah, oh, I don't think it matters. I'm just going to let it wash over me and enjoy the experience. And that's what I did. Don't try to understand it. Feel it. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the experience. I, I enjoyed the experience. I'm, I've seen a lot of Christopher Nolan films, I think, the ones he writes and with, writes with his brother and, and this one he wrote himself, all by himself, it would appear. Uh, if you, and I did, if you liked Incepticon, if you liked... Inception. What was the other one with Guy Pearce that Memento. I really liked? Mementos. <laughs> yes. If you like Mentos... Are you deliberately doing this? <laughs> momentum. If you like Momentum and Incepticon, you're like, look... Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed the uh, forwards-backwards world yeah. of this film. What about Dune Crick? Did you like that one? I haven't seen that one. Oh, good yeah. lord. Oh, it's good. I, I'm, I'm pleased that I haven't seen that one. Mm. There's one. There's ones to see, if mm. you know what I mean. Mm. I, I enjoyed this film. I have to say there are still people in the world who haven't seen this film yet, and I have to say to them, my experience was that if indeed sound is mixed in a cinema, that it's not just push the button and leave the projection booth, but there's actual work to be done in the projection booth on sound. I think it was too loud, and I don't think I've ever said that about a film before. Yeah. What was your feeling about Oh, look, the I think the sound mix is a really fascinating thing in this film because it's like the – again, look, to go back to – watching it in a uh, an empty IMAX cinema. I mean, like, mm-hmm. the screen is massive. The sound system is massive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it really is um, a, you know, it's, it's a powerful thing. The floor was rumbling with the bass at yeah. times, right? You know, it, it's a massive soundscape that you, you're sort of immersed in. And then 
the dialogue and almost all the dialogue in Tenet is explicatory. It's all yes. it's all plot, right? It's yeah, you like, need it's to not hear character. It. It's plot. Yeah, it's it's not just some stuff about which olives will you have. It's yeah. it's and really about, important. And a, I reckon half of it is delivered through some sort of face mask or some sort of like you know mm-hmm. intermediary device, a telephone, a face mask, a microphone, whatever it Tom might. Tom Hardy be. likes that <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> you've got you know there, there's um, John David Washington running down the hallway going. <laughs> I have no idea what he said. No idea, but I think no. it was important. There's it, Kenneth it was Branagh. important. Kenneth was Branagh important. doing, doing <laughs> his very thick Russian gangster voice. That, oh, <laughs> Sorry, that, just became Honestly, <laughs> I enjoyed that film. Um, well, let's just say up front, I enjoyed this film a lot and, and look forward to seeing it again, okay? What? But honestly, I could really have done without Kenneth Branagh. He's, he's a very good actor. But, uh, but, but my, the Kenneth point Branagh. being... <laughs> There's that scene where he's he's on the boat and he's giving what is I think the key sort of explanatory moment of the film on on the mobile phone, right? <laughs> it's all like <laughs> so you've got the Russian thing yeah. going on, you've got the phone call going on, and then I think I actually nodded off. <laughs> oh, good for you! That's what I do. Well done, well done. Well, Take another point. leaf. That was the point my... at which I went. I have no hope. I have no hope now of understanding what's going on in this film. Well, speak. Speaking of inexplicable, there is a scene where they're on these kind of racing catamarans. Yeah. And they've got... Like uh, amazing, visually amazing Yeah, scene. yeah. They've got this, I think, diving equipment on. Yeah. And a really, really important part of, of the plot is being delivered, I think, either through the microphone headset on the on the diving gear or a mobile phone. I'm not sure. But the roar of the sea and the sound design of the film means that you get maybe one word in ten. Exactly. As it's I got to be deliberate, you, right? It's I may got have to told be you this earlier that I had cause to visit a specialist about my ears. <laughs> and during this uh, investigation, uh, I, I, it was a couple of trips to, to the specialist. I had a very comprehensive hearing test. Have I told you about this? No, I don't think so. No. Well, in this comprehensive hearing test, they do all kinds of things that people will be familiar with when you have your hearing tested. At the end of it, I asked the professional, said, so, what do you think? Uh, any news? Well... You know, your hearing's it's going to be okay for now. It's pretty, it's pretty right. Your hearing's not, it's okay. I went, oh, okay, well, you know, am, am I going to, look, I think you're doing, you're not in too bad, you're not, you're not doing too badly at the moment. I think, you know, I said, look, okay, what if you put it out of 10, okay, where one is deaf and 10 is uh, brand new ears. So, oh, I'll give you a nine, I suppose, and I'm like, I'll take that. Mm. So I'm nine out of ten for hearing, and if I couldn't hear half the stuff that was going on in the film, then your average punter is going to struggle a little bit and wait for the subtitles when it's shown on one of the streaming services. So that whole the digression there was just to tell us that you've got great ears. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a good digression. It was entertaining. People call, I've told that to call, have been very entertaining. I call, I, I call that a humble brag, except there was nothing humble. About nothing humble about it. in 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 the period between our last podcast and and now. I have been testing my material on people, and it never fails to get a laugh. So if if you're not interested, that's all right because our audience will be. I have spoken oh, to a couple of people about this film, and they've all made the same yeah. uh, complaint for want of a better word, that, that they can't hear half of it and it seems that that's the important... It's important. Yeah, well, look, the, <laughs> the, missing. the conclusion I, I have reached on this is that it is entirely deliberate on Nolan's yep. part to okay. make the 
the explicatory dialogue hard to understand. Um, and I suspect that it, it's maybe that helps mask the fact that it doesn't maybe make all that much sense. Um, but mm-hmm. it's also you pick up enough to maybe sort of get the essential bits, but not so much that you get all of it. So it mm-hmm. leaves you wanting a little bit more. While the film itself, I think, is pretty satisfying, you know. I, I suspect, yeah, I think so too. I, yeah, yeah, I suspect like most people who see it aren't going to feel they've just been you know, robbed of their twenty-two dollars or whatever it is. No, right? I think they're going to so go. Much, wow, that was amazing. Much? That was amazing. Twenty-two dollars. I don't know. Well, whatever it costs. I didn't, I didn't pay that much. But you know, I think most people are going to go. Uh, that was an amazing experience. I don't know exactly what went on, but <laughs> but I think I enjoyed it. <laughs> And I might go and see it again to try and work it out, you know. And I think I think that's – it's like if that is a deliberate strategy, it's so risky and it's so um, cunning that I can, I can only, you know, tip my cap to him because I think he manages to pull it off. He was really determined for it to have a cinema release because he is – you know, he is very, um, very much committed to the cinematic experience. Okay. Um, his favoured medium is the IMAX medium. That's the way he would have everybody see his film, films if possible. Um, you know, he likes the big screen. And so even as cinemas were, you know, closing or briefly opening and then closing around the world, the plan remained to go for a cinema release the date kept moving and then eventually warner brothers released it and they did so with um capped attendances with you know you know cinemas in some cities not open at all or open briefly and then closing again so you know it's like how do you how do you assess whether this was a success or not i don't think you can i think all you can say is that um it, it went out into a very, very challenged market. It did um, reasonable box office, and I don't think anybody would be um, ecstatic about what it did, nor would mm-hmm. they be um, mortified by what Is it Is anyone going to lose their job about no, this? No, I don't think so. No. no, I mean, I think no, this well, has been, this has been such a challenging year. I mean, Warner Brothers just recently, just last week, announced that it was releasing, or just this week rather, announced that it was releasing its entire slate next year mm. in America, mm. day and date. They're going to go to HBO Max, which is their pay subscription um, video on demand platform, their SVOD platform. Everything that they release is going to be in cinemas and on that platform on the same day next year. Now, that's Only in America? Only in America. Only right. in America. In Australia... Um, as far as we know, um, they will still be getting a theatrical window um, and it will probably be something like the traditional window, which is 90 days in Australia. Um, but the cinema business has been completely shaken by COVID, obviously, mm. not just because of uh, the fact that cinemas were not open, but because it is really um, shifting distribution patterns, release patterns. So. Mm. What, what Disney did with Mulan, which, although they haven't released figures, people can only assume was not a, a raging success because they're not doing it with everything else. Yeah. Um, Universal has struck a deal with the AMC cinema chain in America where they will have a 17-day theatrical window, which is massively shrunk from the normal yes. window. And now Warner's doing this straight to um, SVOD on the same day. And, and also, 
for the standard fee, unlike Disney doing Mulan at a 30 yeah. Yeah. or what was it here? I think a $40 um, charge. In America, you'll be getting those um, those films for your standard subscription price. So, it's you mean like, the monthly, the monthly? Yeah, yeah, you yeah whatever you're paying. Yeah. So and you're not paying extra to watch a film. You're not you're paying extra to watch those films. No. So it's like you know, this is this is like crazy times in the world of, of the cinema business, and you know whether you know the assumption is that this is a a right now move from Warner's that it is about mm. the fact that cinemas are not open or not consistently open or not open, uh, you know, in a uh, a big enough way for them to make the money on on the the slate of films they've got. Uh, and it also because those films are not being released into America, they're not being released anywhere else. So what you've got is a blocking of supply globally. So. It's uh, it's not a great situation for anybody. It's not it's not good for the Australian cinema business, for instance, because they don't mm. have the blockbusters. And no. it's not good for the studio because they're not getting access to the the foreign territories that now uh, you know constitute probably half to sixty percent of their of their box office now. So so they had to do something, and this is what they've done. Mm. Whether it works, we will see, and whether that genie can be put back in the bottle, we will see. I went and saw another film. What was that? It's called Les Traducteurs. Have you heard of this film? Uh, no. It's called The Translators in English, but ah, it's not a film in I English. I have heard of that, yes. Yeah. So. I haven't seen it, though. You haven't? Okay, no, shall no. I tell you about it? Yeah, go. So, it's a film about a best-selling novelist's latest book that needs to be translated, and his publisher assembles a team of translators who translate into all different European and Asian languages, and they have to lock down in an underground bunker for the period of time it takes to translate the novel. Okay, They're not allowed any contact with the outside world. They have to surrender their phones. Uh, they work all in the same room. And what their what the work that they've done that day is then taken away by security guards. So there's no chance of any leak. And, of course, there's a leak. And, of course, it becomes a crime. And it becomes very much like a locked room, Agatha Christie-style mystery. <clears throat> who, who, who was possibly able to leak this when it's a completely secure location? Uh, who leaked it? Pardon? Uh, who leaked it? Do you want me to tell you? No, no, I'm saying it's not, not a whodunit, it's a who leaked it. <laughs> yes. Well, it turns it's a out genre. This this film is a, a very suspenseful film mm. and it is one of those films where you may if if you're one of those people who reads thrillers and or, or more likely you're Dorothy L. Sayers, uh, Marguerite Allingham, uh, Agatha Christie style books. You'll, you may guess who it is early on in the show. It's a, 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 a multicultural cast, uh, and it's, I think it's mainly in French, but, but it, it moves back and forth through different languages. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very proud to announce the final book of the Daedalus trilogy, The Man Who Did Not Want to Die. Translation will begin... In December, tu es prêt à enfermer tes traducteurs dans un bunker, à les traiter comme du bétail. 
the poor translators are pretty much terrorised by the publisher who increases the pressure and, and really screws in the various forms of emotional and physical torture to try and find out who is leaking the pages. Of course, it's a blackmail situation. You know, you put this much money into the bank account or I will leak another 100 pages. Uh, it's based on real life. This happens all really? the time, apparently. Uh, the the Twilight books, do you know about them? You've heard of Twilight? I'm going <laughs> to presume you so. have. Yeah, I, I, they're a vampire series of books, very popular. Uh, there was a fifth book that was scrapped by the author Stephanie Meyer because an unfinished draft found its way online. So it it has major consequences, and it's, it, 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 it happens that... Um, that somehow between the author's keyboard and the publisher, bits get found out. And, of course, fans and fan fiction take the stories in different directions. So it's a real thing. This was based on Dan, you know, Dan Brown. I've yep. not read his work, but uh, he's, a, he's a well-known author. And The Da Vinci Code. Yeah, The Da Vinci Code. And there was a, a similar situation where his publisher got together all the translators and made them not not so much a luxury bunker like this film but they had to all go to the place and they were only allowed to tell their family like their husband or wife or child whatever they had to pay massive penalties if they discussed it with anyone they weren't allowed to speak to anybody in the cafe it was you know a real locked down uh, in almost imprisonment situation to ensure that the book would be released simultaneously in all markets. So, so unauthorized. Apparently, there are unauthorized translations. People will write their own translation and put it online. Um, it's a it's a really enjoyable, not a romp, but it's a, it, it's a film that that has you guessing constantly all the way through it. Is it this one? Is it this one? It could be anybody. Like like all those Agatha Christie ones. You know, there's an Englishman, there's an Irishman, there's you know. Um, and it's it's very entertaining, and I found myself at the end of the book, uh, sorry, at the end of the film, surprised. Mm, I didn't good. pick it, oh, but you know, with these films, I try not to. I just think, like like the usual suspects, I'm I'm just going to go along with this. I'm I'm not going to try and work out who it is. I'm just going to enjoy whatever happens, and and if I work it out, I work it out. Sometimes you do. If I don't, I don't, and yeah. that's okay too. And I would recommend it to you, Carl Quinn. I'll consider it. And, and our listeners. Now, you don't have to have read The Da Vinci Code. You don't have to have seen the films. It's fine. You don't have to know. I've don't, I, I don't know nothing about Twilight, and it's fine. You will not be uh, disadvantaged by not knowing about Twilight. I just want to pick up on, on two things, Agatha Christie and Kenneth Branagh. I saw a trailer yesterday for... Um, <gasps> Another one? Yes. Oh, they're terrible. I've seen them both. <laughs> oh, they're so deliciously terrible, though. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it with his big moustache. <laughs> it, it was uh, Death in the Nile and uh, his Hercule Poirot. Of course again. he is. And um, <laughs> i got to say, it looked like uh, it might be incredibly good campy fun. It is. Oh, they're great. They're terrible. Okay, so just um, look. Agatha Christie. It, it, it depends where you are with Agatha Christie. Either you think it's rubbish and and camp and fun and silly and not worth any moment of serious thought, or you venerate uh, her her skill at plotting and so on. Uh, 
I've I've seen you two can do of both, those. You know, yeah, and you could do both. I've seen two of those films, uh, the Orient Express, and I can't remember the other one. And they were both very enjoyable and terrible all at once, <laughs> in a way that the Lady Vanishes isn't. Now, which is not, um, which is a Hitchcock film, um, but but people on a train, a similarly closed room mystery type situation, and and great, funny, entertaining, but not rubbish. Um, what's the other? I mean, what's the other one? Yeah. It it ends up with. I, I'm going to spoil this for people who haven't seen it. But all, the only so he's I can done say, murder on the Orient Express. What else has he done? It, it's a it's where the cars the, the 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 car goes off the cliff into the. It may not be he, he may not be. It, it's a it's a very recent Agatha Christie uh, film, in the same kind of lush kind of yeah. uh, production values, and. I can't remember. It's got a country house. I'm, you know, I'm not really helping you. Am <laughs> I? Like there's every, a motor car. Like there's a country Agatha house. Christine somebody film. dies. Um, it's, it's, I'm not helping there's, you There's a drawing room. There's a drawing room. <laughs> there's a drawing room. Um, there's people <laughs> arguing uh, and protesting their innocence. <laughs> You're not talking about Knives Out, eh? No, God, no. no. That was so I, – I, I, I knew it would be rubbish, but I turned – I couldn't last five minutes. It was so boring. Oh. Like the one thing these films can't be is boring because they've got nothing else going for them. Uh, it was dead and wooden and dull. I think you're being harsh. I think I think You always think I'm being harsh. No, do, there don't are lots you? of laughs in Knives Out. I, I got it's none. It's not as clever as I'd been led to believe, but it was it, it's definitely got its moments. Okay. <laughs> as I've said before, Including Carl, Daniel Craig as <laughs> See, I, he the southern detective. I, I, I didn't think he, he, he brought anything... Uh, to that film that was, in for me, entertaining mm. or charming or enjoyable at all, miscast, just like uh, uh, Kenny B in The Tenant. I, I, just a mistake, You've a got real your knives mistake. out for knives out, haven't you? I've got my knives out for knives out. Mm. And for the, i tell you about Tenet. I loved Robert Cattinson. I wish he was more drunk in more scenes, but he was very, very enjoyable. <laughs> he really very made good. made the film, didn't he? Oh uh, yes. And brought and brought some poignance and sadness to the end of the film, did he not? He did. He did. Um, uh, wait till you see. You don't know what I'm talking about, but wait till you see it. Maybe I'll tell you. You know, you can see the lighthouse on um, on various services now. And, I do, uh, and because it's square, I think most people's big TVs will be able to handle it. It'll be all right. They won't. <laughs> they won't miss out. I was talking about that film the but other night. If you actually. want to see it's, a drunken God, Robert Pattinson, that's that's oh, the I way. Get, to I get where you're coming from there. Yeah, diff, <laughs> different type of drunken, but it's so good. Oh, that film is so good. It's it, it'd be great to make people watch that film because it's so disgusting. I made my wife and my daughter watch it, and they at the end they looked at me and went, "Why did you make us watch that film?" <laughs> But they stayed all the way. Well, no, they didn't. My wife did under sufferance. My daughter fled after about fifteen minutes. Andrew, one one film I really want to recommend is mm-hmm. the Australian movie Baby Teeth. This okay, I don't know about this. It just swept the um, the Actor Awards um, mm-hmm. or the Actor Awards. No, don't go into that. It's <laughs> tedious. Oh, please, just keep going. Keep going on the film. It is just... I, I think it's close to perfect. It's a, good, it's a debut good. feature by um, Shannon Murphy, who is a, a well-regarded um, theatre director. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's got um, Ben Mendelsohn and Essie Davis 
as the parents okay. of a young woman. She's maybe 16, or she's, she is 16, um, played by Eliza Scanlon. And she, on the way to school, uh, the film opens this way. She's on, on the railway platform on the way to school, and this guy barges into her and almost knocks her just as the train's coming in. And you go, oh, my God, what's, what's, you know, what's going on here? He's, a, he's off, his, off his tree. And he is indeed off his tree, um, played by Toby Wallace, who people may have seen in, um, in Romper Stomper, um, the TV series. And he basically is a bit of a low-life, scuzzy, probably slightly – well, he's homeless, I guess. He's, uh, he's addicted to prescription drugs and pretty much any drugs he can get his hands on. And he's, he's a bit of a wastrel, but they kind of – they hit it off. They bond and, and – How old is he? He's probably uh, early 20s. I, I, okay. Actually, I think he does say at one point he mistakenly reveals his age at the dinner table. <laughs> he says he's 22, I think it is. And um, she's 16. She's okay. 16, yeah. Um, and the parents are kind of horrified, but they tolerate this. Essie Davis, the mother, play is like a, she's a former um, concert pianist, and um, and the Ben Mendelsohn as the father is a psychotherapist. And well, this is good, trendy modern parents. Very trendy want modern daughter parents. Too, living in her own, living in her a, own path. an absolutely fantastic 1970s house with a central courtyard and a basement. So, anyway, Baby Teeth was developed from a play uh, and by a woman, written by a woman called Rita Kalnige, but it doesn't feel stagey. I mean, it's, okay. it's like. It, I, I didn't know it was a play until it was over in the end credits. Ah. And I went, oh, okay, yes, it makes sense that there would have been a play, but it never felt like it as I was watching it, right? And it, mm-hmm. um, it's got a score by Amanda Brown, from, um, formerly of The Go-Betweens, and it is del- just fabulous. So is the incidental music. Um, ev- look, everything about this film, I, I don't want to say much about the plot other than that... Um, do I, do I want to say anything really? Other, no, I won't. I won't say anything about it. I think just just take my word for it. Just go and give yourself over to the experience of this, and you will feel at at certain moments that oh, I know what this film is because it feels like that kind of film. It's like it has all these markers where you go, oh, it's that sort of film, but then it takes turns that it ceases to be you know, the sort of the genre or the trope. It breaks free of those all the time. It keeps taking these really exciting, unexpected left turns. And ah, it's just so good. So good. I really was delighted and blown away by this film. Baby Teeth. Okay. Well, thanks for putting that on the agenda. Where can people see Baby Teeth? Well, you can see it in the cinema because that's where it is. When we're allowed to go to the cinema. That's excellent. Uh, speaking of plays, mm. as you know, let's not speak of plays for a minute. Let's speak of the fact that venues have opened up mm. and people can go when and see... When you say venues, you mean music venues? I was just about to say, people can go and see, see live music. Thank you. <laughs> we can do that again people if you go, want. All right. People can go and see live music. There, the last few weeks has been a bit tricky because you've had to book... In advance, and an issue was only twenty people. Some venues have put on two sittings where you've got to like 
A lot of people out there, and I hear from them constantly, who think everything's too late. It's on too late. I can't go and see a bank because it's on too late. It doesn't start till 10. Well, now it starts at 7.30. People are doing a 7.30 and a 9.30 at the SB, uh, the Jazz Lab. You can get out, in and out nice and early you do need to book uh, memo music hall as well and it's a good thing because uh, i'm going to say worse than any other industry the music industry the live music industry the venue industry has been hit so hard and the few venues that are able to open because a lot still aren't because they they can't have 10 people because it would cost them more to be open than to be shut they're starting to do things. That the Nightcat has got something happening on New Year's Eve. It's a ticketed event, like everything is. Uh, cooking on three burners. Other venues are setting up for a great festive New Year's Eve. And I really urge people in Melbourne who have been sitting in front of their television since March, watching some great filmed entertainment, but to actually get out there on their feet and forego a restaurant meal for a change and go and, or maybe do both, go and see some live music uh, for New Year's Eve because there'll be stuff happening, but you will need to get in a little earlier. You won't be able to leave until the last day and sort of toss up, am I going to go here? I'm going to the Northcote Social Club. Am I going to go to the Nightcat? Am I going to go to the SP? You're going to have to make a decision now. So I'm telling you with plenty of advance, it is the 10th of December to please uh, have a look at what's happening in the venues near where you live and book something and go. Don't watch television. Don't go to the movies. Don't go out to dinner or go out to dinner early, but then go and see a band. One thing I've been doing, uh, I'm resuming something that I haven't been able to do since the, the whole lockdown thing was me and my two pals going to the trivia night. We're going to a different oh, right. pub, but you have to book in advance. You have to pay up front. Can you believe that? Do you have you to have lodge to your pay. answers in advance? No, you have to pay $6 per man, woman, <laughs> or whatever. You have to pay. So the table of four is the, the minimum. You have to pay $24 just to walk in and sit down at a table, which is, I don't mind doing that. You know, a few places have been well, you introducing. Mind it, you mind it enough that you mention it on the podcast. Yeah, I'm mentioning it. What I'm, but, but, but this is to lead into another thing. A lot of places are asking people to pay like an upfront sum yeah. when they make a booking to, to maybe work against the fact that they might not turn up. You know, there was a venue uh, right at the very start of the opening where they had very limited, maybe 20 people and 17 booked and didn't show show up, you oh, know, that's which appalling. was just terrible because yeah. they weren't taking money up front. They were just saying, you know, we're allowed 20 people at a go. We've got three sessions, you know, and 17 didn't turn I, up. I have absolutely oh. no uh, objection to venues taking uh, booking fee up front. Me neither. I, I used think, to, I but think, not now, I not in this. No. Fair enough. Yep, pay your money, and then if you don't turn up, well, too bad, you yeah. know. And if you do, well, okay, and and that's part of the understanding that the venues and that the people working there have not been earning any money for ten months. So, mm -hmm. um, it, it's a thing you have to. Now, I, I just before we move on to the next topic, uh, of the three we have attended, we tied for first three times, and we beat out the team that we were tied for first with twice. Well. That's a team of three men against a team of 12 to 15 people. So that's all I have this. to say. Yes, I will. Is what does a cruciverbalist do? Crosswords. <laughs> what is a five-letter word for avifauna? Well, I got that wrong. That's why we're not three from three. It turns out to be birds. I counted bird on my fingers going, no, that's four letters. Can't, can't be bird. Turns out it's birds. 
Elvis, the Georgia Peach are types of vehicle that do what? Bush firefighting. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, humble brag. There's no humble. <laughs> we, we gave up humble, I think, after the second podcast. There's, there's no pretense to humility in this show. I'll tell you what I've, I've gone back to, and yeah. it is so much The fun. gym. Well, close. Soccer. I've been playing soccer oh, good. again. Good, good, so, good. Um, Thursday nights. Yeah, so I've played three times now. Uh, first time, like, <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, everybody turned into Mr. Chubby while we're <laughs> Oh, that's me. That's true. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Several of us have turned into Mr. Harry. <laughs> Oh, God, that's what's worse. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's knees have turned into Mr. Creaky. And uh, oh. it, it was like it was like watching it was like watching the replay in slow motion <laughs> in real time. It was uh, it was an ugly thing that first week. Second week, I thought, oh, I'm feeling a bit better. So I went off for a sprint, tore a thigh muscle. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. How idea. do you? What do you do third with week, that? Can third it be week, fixed? Uh, well, it wasn't. It wasn't really a tear. It was a strain. So it was like okay. it was. It was painful, but not disastrously so. So uh, the third week, I I thought I'll just go and play in goal, and uh, I did that. And uh, so you can do that. You can just wander and say, "I'm I'm goalie today." Yeah. Piss off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can do that. What? Right? Everybody does ten minutes in goal. It's a rotating thing. Oh, it's not. It's not a league game. It's just okay. a bunch of I, bunch I, of old I don't, buggers. Association who play. football is something that is a mystery to me. I don't understand right, what happens. Right, right. So yeah. Well, I don't think you'd uh, be much the wiser by watching our game. It's... <laughs> <laughs> do you bro, do you play at different grounds or do no, you no, go to the no, same no. place? It's just, it's just like there's. There's a bunch of us, and it's like, who's available? Who wants to play? We turn up, we play. We split mm-hmm. darks versus lights, and that's it. And it's uh, and I've been doing it for twenty odd years, and I love it. So, oh, I'm glad you'll be able to get back to it. That's mm. great news. Mm. It's uh, great I, to get back to things. The uh, first I, week, we, yep. when we got the we got the word on the Monday, by the Wednesday we were playing, and I have never seen a bunch of middle aged blokes look so happy. It was really quite, you know, there was mm. so much joy there. Give it two weeks, we'll all be screaming at each other. But, you know, for now, we're in, we're in a happy place. That's it for the Clappers. We're going to do another one soon, so don't panic. I know a lot of you have been in touch on Facebook wanting to get more Clappers in your life, and we'll be giving you more Clappers in your life. Don't worry about it. 